It's time to dive into the latest news and updates from the Vegas Golden Knights. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. And it is Stormy Bonantoni and Shane Knighty with you on this Golden Knights game day. The series with the Montreal Canadiens has returned back to the fortress tonight. Puck drop at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And we've got a great show talking about lineup expectations tonight. We'll get into the change in net made last game with Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, little preview of tonight's game. And we'll hear a little bit from the head coach Pete DeBoer and a couple of the players from media availability, Shane uh, it's a good day to have a good day, isn't it? It's good to see you. You're you're back. You're traveling. You're all over the map. It's I'm been busy. Here. Yeah, you've been busy. <laughs> That's good. No, it's uh, it's always exciting game day. This is the best time of year. Yeah, it's fantastic. You've been busy too at all the watch parties. Oh, I'm all around cheering <laughs> it on. This is uh, different for me. Usually traveling with the team, and not this uh, year for reasons. But uh, it's good to see it from the other side and uh, really see the passion the fans have here for the team. Yeah, no question. And uh, the series is tied at two now. Looking to see which team will have the edge tonight. What are you, I mean? Can we go back to just as before the series started? What were your expectations for where we would be through four games versus what you've actually seen now? Well, I thought the goal, I knew it wouldn't be easy. This, and I think a lot of people overlooked the Montreal Canadiens. And when you look at the teams they played, and I'm sure we'll get to the talk of the struggle for offense. Mm -hmm. It's not like they played any defensive teams in playoffs. They played the Toronto Maple Leafs, who had the top goal scorer in the league in Austin Matthews. They played the Winnipeg Jets, who have some of the most dynamic offensive forwards in the league. Well, they beat the Leafs. They shut them down, quieted their top scores. They did the same thing to Winnipeg. So we shouldn't be surprised that when you play a team like that, you've got to be patient. You can't force plays. And I think, uh, you know, tied it to the Golden Knights. You know, after game one, everybody, all of a sudden you think this is going to be easy. But credit the Canadians for the way they've played. Uh, they stuck with their game plan that's brought them success in the postseason. And for the Golden Knights, we know they're a resilient team. It's not always going to be easy. And uh, do I believe they're the better team? Yes. Uh, but you still have to go out and play and prove it. And I think they're in a good situation now. They're able to get back. Uh, it's funny how it worked. Game three, they probably deserved. Mm -hmm. Game four, I'll say the Canadians deserve better. Um, that's probably why they're tied at two right now, and they'll get set for a big game five. Golden Knights have home ice back in their favor, but you've got to take advantage of it. It's a big game tonight. It's always interesting how that happens, though. Sometimes you're the better team and don't yeah. win, but then you get rewarded almost in the reverse sometimes when you're not. Well, it happened last series with Colorado for, for Vegas. So, um, you know, there's so many factors and differences that can play a factor in a game. Uh, you know, goaltending, uh, a strange play, and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> anything like that. Um, but uh, you know, last game, I, I think those are those are good games to win when you know you weren't at your best. Golden Knights found a way, which you have to do. It's at different points throughout uh, a playoff push is finding. It's not always going to be. You know, you take control of the game, you hang on to the lead, you play the right way through the end, you you hear the final buzzer after 60 minutes, and away you go. There's times when it's not easy to, to generate much, and maybe, you know, offense, frustration might start to creep in. You've got to fight that off, and then eventually you get that goal that gives you a lift, which Braden McNabb did, and 
Then uh, you have another depth guy in Nick Waugh. What a story that is, mm-hmm. being from right there, scoring an overtime winner in that building. Just a special moment for him and his building, and an even better moment for uh, him and his teammates as the Golden Knights tie the series at two. Well, and it wasn't too bad a moment for Max Pacioretty either, because let me tell you, every time that that guy touches yes, the puck, he is booed. And on that play specifically, you hear this loud boo from every fan in the building when Patch has the puck and he gets it over to Nick Waugh. And obviously the rest is history because the only people celebrating at the end of that game were the people on the Golden Knights staff and those guys on the ice. And what I like about <laughs> the play is there was nothing special to it. He came in, protected the puck behind the net. It was off a change, a good change, so they were able to get a fresh fresh set of legs on the ice and Patch ready. And he just put Put the puck to the net. It's a simple recipe. Net presence, puck to the net, Nick Waugh, and great patience by him. Um, and it's he made it look easy because in the moment, there's always a, there's always that sense as a player. And yeah, that wasn't my specialty, but other guys, you get the puck there, you want to fire it right away. It might have fired, you know, Price was out, but he took his time and made sure just a little chip shot upstairs, didn't pull along the ice, made sure he had his shot and put it in the back of the net. Real good patience by Nick Waugh. And that, by the way, was the lone high-danger chance for the Golden yes. Knights all game. Well, they made, they made it count. Uh, <laughs> they made it count. Uh, yeah, they. it wasn't a good game. You know, watching it is probably – I found it frustrating to watch because they just couldn't get going. And that's the style the Canadians wanted to play. That's the way they're going to continue to try and impose their game over the Golden Knights. Now it's up to Vegas to get back – to, to more straight lines, to more a little more you know simplicity to their game on how they want to generate offense, um, and, and they need more guys going. I think uh, you know to ask there's guys that can give more, and and they need that, especially when you get to a, an important situation like Game Five is for them to really take control of this series again and to be able to do it on home ice. When you talk about guys needing to give more, I, I know that the top line is probably in that conversation in your mind. And we saw Chandler Stevenson out there on the ice today at Morning Skate. Pete DeBoer said he's going to be a game-time decision tonight, but he, he looked good out there, uh, spry and having fun on the ice this morning. How big of a difference maker would he be if he's added back to that line? He's a big difference maker. Whenever they have a full, healthy lineup, it, it makes them better. Because it trickles it, down it, to it's everybody. It's a trickle-down effect that uh, just adds depth throughout the lineup. You know, Nosek's done a good job when they move. He moved up between Patch, Ruddy, and Stone. But so you get a player of that quality that has the ability to move up like that now on your fourth line. So that strengthens that line. Stevenson's speed. He hasn't been able to talk about a guy that needs to score. I think it's 14 games now for him without a goal. But that said, his speed just opens up so much. And that's what I think the Golden Knights need to do. They need to attack with more speed. They need to open up that defense structure of the Montreal Canadiens and he has that ability which gives more room for guys like Stone and Patch Ready to make plays and yeah when you say the Stone Patch Ready I'll, I'll throw the Carlson line in too I think they have more um, you know there's certain players I think Shea Theodore has another level to his game um, there's some key guys that you, you look for depth and depth is so important and it's not always just about scoring the goals but certainly those guys need to chip in it's not each and every game depth guys can provide it they've been able to provide it through the blue line's been fantastic Alex Petrangelo's been their best player um and, and uh, the, each and every game not everybody's going to be on so it's good when you have these other pieces that are able to provide but when you get to these big games the important ones where you want to try and put pressure on the other team or you want to try and close out a series you look to your leaders to kind of provide that path to get you there and you talk about the different guys that did come up and try to fill that void, whether it be Alex Tuck, Nosek. I think we saw Keegan Colasar yeah. up there for a little while. Um, 
a variety of options and not to say that they weren't effective, but it just wasn't the same. And I remember talking to Ryan Craig during the regular season when Chandler Stevenson was suspended for three games. He said, what we've learned when Chandler's out is that it's not necessarily a plug and play role anymore because of the chemistry that they've created with those three. And it's much easier to plug and play if it's a winger. Mm -hmm. When it's down the middle, uh, center ice position, it's a little tougher to fill that gap. Because uh, you know, centermen, you know, talking about face-offs, you're talking about defensive responsibility. Stevenson, you're talking about the penalty kill. Does play in the power play, which we'll get to. Um, so he, there's a lot of areas. And, you know, Pacioretty was out in that series against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Did they miss him? Absolutely. But, you know, in a different way, I think. You know, that center position really is so key because it allows that it allows more depth. I think it's easier to plug and play, as I said, the wingers than it is the center position. Well, Pete DeBoer said for him, Montreal certainly come as advertised in this morning, spoke specifically to their defensive effort, which you referenced. So let's take a listen in his words on his group search for more in the offensive zone. Yeah, you know, I, I think defensively we've been good. Um, you know, offensively we obviously we obviously want more offense. You know, th- this team shut down uh, two very good offensive teams in Winnipeg and Toronto. So, um, you know, and when you got a goalie like they have, you, you have to be prepared to play a lot of one nothing, two one games, and you, and you have to get contributions this time of year from from guys who maybe don't normally score. And, you know, McNabb and Wah the other night, that's exactly what, what we're talking about. So, you know, that's uh, that's the way hockey is this time of year, and, and we're prepared to, to play that way. I think Pete's been listening to you. No, I, I, it's obvious. I, it's just yeah. you listen to the narrative anywhere uh, on any – but he's talking about hockey now, and that's exactly because there's a lot of questions. Did Montreal deserve to be here? Absolutely they did because you look at the teams they, they had to go through to get here, and, and they were able to do it. Um, so that, that said, and Pete's right, I think, you know, the other thing we say, Stevens comes back, that adds more depth and maybe mismatches. Um, you know, the one thing the Canadians is they roll their top four defensemen really hard, and I think we've seen some benefits. One of the lines that I think has been the best is, is when Tuck is with Waugh and Yanmark, mm-hmm. and that should be the case because, uh, you know, the, the top four, they're probably trying to roll out against, now it'll be Stevenson, now it'll be Carlson. Well, then out comes the Waugh, Tuck, Yanmark line, and if that fourth line with no sick there, it's more depth in your lineup. So, And that's uh, another line that's had a good blend when they've yeah. been able to be back together. Yeah, absolutely. And it's 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 about finding the ways to generate offense. Obviously, the blue liners, their ability to come in because Montreal closes down. They really take away a lot of things deep in the zone. That opens up, uh, you know, the defensemen. And I think, you know, Pete DeBoer's done a good job ever since he came about giving the green light not only to the offensive guys that you expect to try to – provide those points from the blue line but it's been everybody and you know great example of McNabb a well-timed pinch by him coming down good play by Carlson from behind the goal line and you find a way to get it through and pass Carey Price so I think Carey Price they they can find ways to test them more and and where they really did it well I thought was you know game one Uh, game three they did uh, to an extent he made some good saves I think they could bear down in a couple of areas there a little better but uh, game one they got him moving side to side with traffic a couple of plays he just lost the puck Uh, you know I think of the play Theodore's pass Riley Smith over to Holden Um, so those type of things that they can find in this game I think they know how um, but I think it's speed, pace, and that forecheck. When they get their forecheck and, and wear down the Canadians, because they go with such a shortened blue line, 
I think this is, you know, you get to game five, you get to game six. This is when, uh, you know, those things start to have an effect on the game, wearing down the opposition. And another area, just real quickly, I know that they're going to try to do that again, is the power play. It hasn't <laughs> been effective for no. them. But is that... How much of that is on them, and how much of that is that the Montreal penalty kill has been really good all postseason, really? Well, it's been really good, but it's still on them. It's yeah. on the power play. When you're, you're that type of player, that's, it's a privilege to play in the power play. Um, I think with it comes, you know, right now, there's fear you're going over because they keep hearing about it. There's a lack of confidence, you know, when they go out. They're not going over feeling like they're going to score. They have to get that feeling back, I think. And when you don't have that confidence, you get a little stagnant. We, we see them. They're, they're, they're very – they're not moving enough. The passes are a little bit off. Puck possession, they need – everything happens a little bit quicker. So they've got to find a way to relax. They've got to get a little more movement and not look for the perfect play. It's not always going to be there. There's nothing wrong with just trying to pound some pucks to the net, get some bodies there, do that a few times. Then maybe that will open up. But the passing is important, especially with an aggressive penalty kill. You have to move the puck quickly and efficiently. Yeah, and you want the power play to bring momentum, not suck it out of your team. So we've got a big game five tonight back at the Fortress. And if you want to get geared up, make sure that you head over to VegasTeamStore.com, the Arsenal or the Armory, and that's where you've got exclusive Vegas Golden Knights gear anywhere so right here where we're broadcasting from you head downstairs you can get some swag so make sure that you do that or if you're like me and you've been in the golden knights bubble or if you've just been stuck at home vegasteamstore.com is always your option for all of the golden knights swag storm of Tony and shane knighty with you we'll be back with more nighttime at noon at the end of this break we're back to nighttime at noon on your home for the vegas golden knights fox sports las vegas Join other Golden Knights fans around the world with VGK Worldwide, the official global fan club of the Vegas Golden Knights. Become a premium member by visiting VGKWorldwide.com and purchasing your kit today. Remember, premium members receive access to exclusive merchandise, exciting contests, and specialized content every day. So don't miss this opportunity to be a part of painting the globe gold. Shane Knighty and Stormy Tony with you as we get set for a critical Game 5 back at the Fortress between the Golden Knights and Montreal Canadiens. And just speaking of painting the globe gold, Shane... I think that I have run out. Like, I've bought every piece of gold clothing that I can find. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know what to do now. Like, you're the style expert. Have you run out of gold? Have you been wearing it as much as possible? Well, what happened is I was wearing the same shoes right up until game one, wore them game two. Then I switched for game three. The, those ones didn't work for game four. So I, I've got my own dilemma of uh, which gold shoes. I never oh ever thought goodness. in my life I'd have four pairs. But, um <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's uh, you're coming up with new ideas. Yeah, gold apparel. I've I've kind of laid off getting it, but uh, I'll I got to come up with something. See, I've been wearing the t-shirts. Every new t-shirt that comes out. Is there a new one out? Anybody know? I think there might be. I'm gonna. I never thought well, of that. Well, I know that there there's some new merch at um, the team store for yes. the dude is. Yeah, just I've the done man. that one. So I did that one game one. That worked. Maybe I can pull that yeah. one. Yeah. Have you game. done the what a barn? Well, I done the what a barn. <laughs> there, there's another new one. I think. What's the new one? It was because uh, they're taking it from quotes. It was yeah. after last game. I don't know. I, I missed it, but I'll have to check that out because they've, they've got all the good yeah. stuff. But, yeah, I'm running out. Uh, anyways, the a best of seven is now turned to a best of three here in the series with Montreal. And I asked Jonathan Marcheseau yesterday. Obviously, game four wasn't 
it's not a must win until it's a series clinching scenario, right? But with this series in particular, the way that it was trending, I mean, 2-2 is very different than 3-1. And I asked him just what the weight of that game was for them to win. And he said it might have been the most important game of the playoffs for them, this one and maybe game three of the Colorado <laughs> series. Do you agree with that? Well, it's the most important until now game five. But right. absolutely, I think it was a huge game for them in, in a situation in which they played so well in game three and it was such a unique fluky play uh you know against you know a teammate and you're always there for your teammates they're unable to really recover from it in overtime uh game three but they bounced back in game four and it wasn't uh, wasn't their best uh, game by any means but they found a way to win so now maybe a little bit as you said that weight is off of them and they can get back to the way they want to execute the game plan here tonight against the Canadians in Game Five, because this is this is now the biggest game of the series <laughs> yep. or the playoffs. Or. Well, we talk about all the time the potential for a goalie to steal you a game, and that game to me felt like it was a situation where Robin Leonard, in a tough situation, comes in and does just that for you. How tough of a situation was that? Uh, it couldn't be easy, but at the same time, there, there's the mentality. He's been sitting there, and, and he's done a great job being a teammate. But you want to play. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the role of all the guys that, you know, have been able to jump into the lineup. Nick Holden at some point, Nick Haig, they've kind of when you get called, you're excited. You want to be part of it. And, and I think Robin Leonard did. He was just waiting for the call. He handled it the right way. It's all how they handle it. And I think when you get to this point, the final four, it's always about a, every team has a great group of guys. You don't get here unless you do. And, and that's by not having any negativity in that room, having guys who are positive, understanding their situation. Uh, cheering on your teammates, and then when your name's called, you're ready to go. And he certainly was. He needed to be a difference, and he was their, be- he was their best player in that game. Uh, what a performance by Leonard. His first start in 21 days, second in 42, had 27 saves, only allowed the one goal. And Pete DeBoer said that his job right now throughout this has been probably like one of the toughest jobs in sports, right? Because you're obviously a great goalie as well, but you have to sit because one of the greatest goalies that's going to be a Hall of Famer one day is ahead of you right now. Um, but he's handled it, like you said, really well. And for me, what was really cool is I've seen kind of the behind the scenes and yeah. the way that he has been as Max Pacioretty called him the team's number one cheerleader throughout all of this and then on the reverse side watching the game the other night I was sitting near Marc-Andre Fleury and every time Robin Leonard makes a save he's banging his glove on the glass and you know he was as happy and excited as anybody when we won when they won in overtime and to see the dynamic between the two of them that they are competitors but they are also partners and have developed a good friendship I think is very unique for their situation and it's great that's what you need that's why this team is successful they just shared and they're going to share in the Jennings trophy uh, they both play goal, Flurry certainly more, but when Leonard was healthy, a rotation to leading them to the most wins in the NHL. So when there's success with it, I think it makes it a little bit easier. Uh, and they understand they're both good goalies. I think they understand how good they are. It's not a backup sitting there saying, oh, and this guy's, you know, in Montreal, Jake Allen's not expecting to play in Tampa. Uh, is it McElhaney behind <laughs> Vasilevsky? I don't even know. He knows he's not going to play. Um, the so they're going to cheer them on. I think it's very important to have that good relationship between your goaltenders. And it, it is probably a little more difficult when they both feel they should be in the net. But that shouldn't take away from it. I think that's a, it's a good advantage for a team and for a coach to have guys like that. That's an internal competition. We use that phrase a lot, not only you know, at all positions, but even more important, it's rare to have it at the goaltending position. The most important, especially this time of the year, two guys that want to have – 
have that opportunity to play net but still support one another. Um, so they push one another, and then they're each other's cheerleaders when they get that chance to go in net. And Nick Holden and Keegan Colasar both did their media availability pregame earlier today and spoke to that support. Let's take a listen. They're amazing. Um, you see two goaltenders that, you know, in my opinion, are number ones. And um, to have to have them supporting each other like they do, it's awesome. Um, there's no there's no jealousy. There's no um, tension between them. They both want to see each other perform well and get the job done. Yeah, it's been uh, pretty phenomenal. I think going back to last year, uh, they've created a, a pretty good bond uh, partnership where they're uh, helping each other out. Uh, when the other guy's not in, they're um, helping with shooters and um, tendencies and stuff like that. And uh, I think throughout the year, uh, they've relied on each other to push each other. And obviously, both times that they've, they've been in or whenever either of them are in, uh, you have a world-class goalie. And so um, we have confidence in both those guys big time. Uh, obviously, Lenny coming in the way he did last game. That's not an easy thing to do, and he played unbelievable. And so, uh, you're you're always happy with uh, guys when they come in and are able to contribute like that. And just to continue on on Leonard, maybe specifically a little bit, I liked how post game he admitted that he uses the fuel of people talking smack about him, maybe not being a great goaltender. Like he uses everybody doubting the fact that. Pete DeBoer chose to take Marc-Andre Fleury out for a game um, because of fatigue, as he said. You know, like Marc-Andre Fleury's been at his best when he's had rest. Um, but he got to the rink four hours early. He was on the same bus that I was on. He came on the staff bus, which gets there ridiculously <laughs> early before everybody else, the only player on it, um, and sit there, sits there. And <laughs> I don't know if looking at social media is good or bad, but it worked for him. It's whatever works. And I think like you said the word. Any fuel that motivates a player or an athlete, I think, use it to your advantage and you know it made me think when i was part of boston we lost the first two games in the stanley cup final in vancouver well the papers had the parade route planned and everything and we had that hanging in our room the rest of the series really? so you know you, you take yeah we it was a little bit before social media blew up <laughs> so we're still talking about newspaper uh but yeah those articles about oh it's over this that use it if that's what gets you going gets you po'd Fantastic, and I think good for him for doing that. If that's uh, if that's what it takes, I'm all for it. And Nick Holden was asked about defensively if there's any difference playing in front of Robin Leonard or playing Mark in front of Mark Andre Fleury, and he said no. But I was just curious to you, like, is that is that a cliche answer saying no? We play the same no matter what, or is there any difference? There's some difference. Yeah, I, I, I don't think to the defensively like they trust both of them I think the biggest difference is Fleury plays the puck a lot more than Leonard so you know communication is going to be a little more important Leonard will let more pucks go he's not going to go Fleury's a lot more active at getting out to stop and make a play to the defenseman so that would be the only difference that I see in the two styles of those goaltenders and something Pete DeBoer said that, that I liked, too, he was asked about the pressure of having to make these kinds of decisions. And he said at the end of the day, he's, his only responsibility is to the guys in that room and trying to make the best decisions to lead the, to lead the team to a win. And I feel like we all question Pete with all of these decisions that he makes all the time because you think, oh, you're taking this Vesna Trophy finalist out of the net. What are you doing? But – 
I think it's about time we just stop questioning him because his moves seem to continue to work. It really does. And that's the job of the coach is you put the guys you feel can win. And it's not an easy decision to make. I think it makes it a little easier when you have two number one goaltenders like he does. But it's still, you've got to find out what's best for your team. And I think that, to me, it tells that he has a real good temperature of the players in that room, of his guys, how they tick, when they may need a rest. Even though they may not think it, mm-hmm. he has to make that call. And, uh, yeah, it's tough. To, you can't argue with him what he was able to do. And I wonder what those he, conversations are like. Of, they're not easy. Uh, you know, he, it's never easy to tell you know somebody you're out of the lineup or somebody's in. I think the players here recognize it a lot better and accept it because uh, it is a team first mentality and you need to have that. So, um, but good on him. Uh, He, you know, I I know there's a lot of heat out there when it was announced Leonard was going to start and uh, there always will be when he makes a tough decision. Logan Thompson, by the way, first (laughs) goaltender off of the ice at morning skate today. Robin Leonard apparently was yelling yeah, they, to him, hey, get off the ice first. Love well, they're, that. They're having a little bit of fun. And, and I think Leonard touched on that. He said everything is outside noise, and, and that is so true when you're in that room. And that, that's the responsibility of the media. That's their job is to you know, kind of project what's going on. But what really goes on is the most important, and the players know that. That's in the room. And uh, it just shows them having a little bit of fun. Yeah. They're, they know everybody's watching for that first goaltender off and to see who's going. But um, – yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll see Logan Thompson in that. <laughs> well, after Thompson left yeah. the ice, Marc-Andre Fleury was the next one, so he is the projected starter tonight. Makes sense to me. Yeah, it does. I, I, I think when you look at the travel, and let's go back to the year, what did they talk about? The ability to put fresh legs in was a huge advantage, whether it was a player, whether it was the rotation of the goaltenders. Um, it's not a short trip. You just took it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a time change. Uh, playing games, they got to play now and then hop right back on tomorrow and go back so get in the rotation now it to me it makes complete sense to go with flurry and we'll see but i would imagine then go with robin leonard back for game six i want to follow up on that conversation a little bit more but we do have to take a quick break stay with us right here on nighttime at noon we'll continue that as well as go around the league and talk about a shellacking between the tampa bay lightning and new york islanders last night Live from City National Arena, this is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. No, okay, I'll stop. Go ahead, don't stop. I'll stop because I have to remind the good people listening that Rock Creek Cattle Company is a hidden gem, just like my singing voice, hidden gem. Located in the heart of Montana, this 28,000-acre cattle ranch has something for every everybody. It really does. World-class golf course, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding. Escape the bright lights of the city and discover Big Sky Montana. And exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available right now if you visit rockcreekcattlecompany.com. Oh, you liked that, didn't you? Beautiful. You're better. You're better singer than Dave. Oh, don't tell him. Don't tell him. I'll tell. I'll him. do background vocals for Dave. Just like, <laughs> no, ah. you're much better. <laughs> well, before we took a break here on nighttime at noon, uh, we were talking about the travel situation for the Golden yeah. Knights and Canadians, and in a normal conference final situation, no team would be traveling three time zones like the Golden Knights have been. No, they wouldn't, and you could probably speak to it you know, more. You've been part of it going back and forth. It's tiring, and you're not playing the games. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I said in the break. Like, I had a terrible night's sleep last night. Yeah. I tried to sleep on the plane because 
the with the way it is, we were basically up at 5 a.m. Pacific time yesterday to do media availability in the morning, hop on the plane, arrived back in town around 2 p.m. Pacific yeah. or something. So it's just it's a long travel day. It's about a five-hour flight. I tried to sleep on the plane, was awful. Tried yeah. to sleep last night, was awful. So if I've got my back creaking and, you know, it's slow to rise this morning. But that sometimes when you think about a team maybe having a little bit of a sluggish start, uh, not that you can ha take excuses, and this is a no excuses team every day of the week, but like it's understandable in a sense. It really is. It, it, it is tough, and that's part of you know. There's not only a, a physical drain to it. There's also a mental drain, and that's where I repeatedly talk about you know this game is just as much mental. This is where you need to try and fight through that. Find ways to make sure you're the best rest recovery and you know they have all the people that put the right nutrition and everything they need to get their body as best prepared as they can but there's certainly mentally you need to and this goes back to the what we were talking about Pete DeBoer has the luxury of two number one goaltenders mm -hmm. and putting in a guy that is more rested than would be a normal just one goalie situation and I think it's advantageous for the Golden Knights to be able to do that it's that certainly at this point of playoffs and in the point in this series when Leonard comes off such a strong game and I think Flurry, we we know the character he has he's he's going to be pumped and more than ready to get back in and he's had a little bit of rest after going you know playing a lot of hockey and a lot of travel and we've seen Pete DeBoer do that with a couple of instances. That's why he said we shouldn't be afraid to do it with our goaltenders if we're doing it with other positions. You've seen Ryan Reeves come in and out yeah. of the lineup and Nick Holden. He's done it before, so this is just another example of that. And um, I, I, when you think about the mental fatigue, too, for playing Montreal specifically, the Golden Knights are going back in time in a ways because of the COVID protocols and going across the border. So their day off, there's not really much to do. No. They're stuck in the hotel all day long. Uh, that's it. All, it's thinking about hockey and thinking about that next game. That It was beautiful outside, too. Well, You're, like, daydreaming about the sunshine from <laughs> you your window. You just can't go outside. <laughs> it, it is tough because it, it's it's different than, you know, staying in, in the U.S. because they have to go to Canada, the restrictions, the protocols that are in place. Um, so, you know, they've dealt with it, though. This, mm -hmm. this goes back to, you know, if this was unique and new to them, maybe. Um, but I think that's one area that, you know, having dealt with the bubble last year and having dealt with the type of season they had and the same type of situation, um, it has loosened. It did loosen as the year went on, but they had been in this type of scenario where, okay, you've got to find ways to, to keep the mind sharp, fresh, not get down. Um, it's been a challenge for every team, every player. And uh, I think at this point now, though, your, your whole focus, uh, you're, you're very goal-oriented right now as you get closer to that ultimate prize and recognize that, you know, you focus at the task at hand. Yeah, it's been interesting. They've gone played in the Pacific, Central, Mountain, and Eastern time zone now just in this postseason. Uh, a couple teams, though, that have not moved out of the Eastern time zone, Tampa Bay Lightning and New York Islanders. And for a series that's been back and forth and pretty competitive, the start here, the Lightning went off last night with an 8 nothing win. Well, absolutely. Just it, it didn't stop watching the game like, oh, oh. And you could tell the frustration setting it for the Islanders. And, um, you know, we saw, you know, similar – kind of thing it was the start of the series uh, you know does it more damaging happen in game five uh to me it's more damaging because there's less time for the islanders to recoup um you know when it happened the golden knights i'm talking about game one against colorado that was one game there was still a lot of hockey to be played they've only got two more opportunities and you've got a quick 
turn around and quick, fix this quickly. Um, easy for me to say. Uh, but that's one of those instances where, like, you feel like you're right there, and then all of a sudden, what a gut punch that must it be. It really was. The, the thing to me that's it, the flip side of it is, yeah, you lose 8 nothing, you lose one nothing, it still sucks. And, and I think that's the thing about playoffs is you don't really worry about the score. And, you know, they're going to be mad. They were embarrassed. So they're going to come back. But the, the to me, the, the beneficial part of it is for the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that's high offensive team gets that confidence. They get that feeling of putting the puck back at back of the net with ease and, uh, you know, their power play working, their top guy, Steven Stamkos, had been quiet. Everybody's questioning, mm-hmm. you know, how healthy he was. He comes out with a strong performance. First star. <laughs> Braden Point, goals in eight straight now for him. So their top guys are going, that's scary. For them to gain more confidence, to me, uh, that's a tough train to slow down, and, and that'll be the challenge for the Islanders um, you know, I think they'll come back with a much better better effort, but I think Tampa kind of found their mojo that they needed to offensively, and that's going to be tough for, for New York. Gordon Weigers, who's uh, in charge of the Golden Knights social media, he and I were talking this morning about how sometimes in a series, or usually in a series, where you have a team that on paper is the more dominant team, is clearly the better team, at least once in a series they're going to have that type of a game. Maybe not an 8 nothing performance, but a game where the disparity is clear. I think that's going to happen tonight. You do? I like that prediction. Not Maybe not to that extent, <laughs> but, but I think this is a, a good opportunity and a good game for Vegas to really break out offensively, you know, to try and beat Carey Price, to get some of their guys going, get the power play going. This is uh, This, to me, is... I've got a feeling that this is the type of situation, type of scenario here in Game 5 for Vegas to really open it up and not force and don't cheat to get it, stick to their game. But I think uh, and I hope this is the game that they can break free and, and get that offensive confidence. That makes me think back to your comments, though, saying how obviously last game wasn't the Golden Knights' best game. But because of that, where they did have you know a less than stellar performance, they still get the win. You get a little bit of good feeling from that. You get a good feeling, but you still got to recognize, hey, we need to be a lot better. We, we got away with that one. We had a goaltender that kept us in it. Uh, the biggest save of the game on Cole Caulfield, that breakaway, would have been 2 nothing. Yeah, and that's what you need. Both these goalies, Flurry's been doing it, keeping his team in the game, giving him a chance. And you know, important thing I know we'll probably get the keys is Golden Knights. They can't wait for a goal to energize them. Mm-hmm. They've got to find other ways to get in the game early. And whether it's a hit, whether it's you know a start of wave of emotion of attack, of establishing their forecheck, of creating a chance, the power play. Even if they don't score, generating momentum. They have to find ways to generate momentum and not wait for that first goal. It's interesting that you say that because we look at that, what was it, game three, where they came out and outshot Montreal 17-4 to in the first period, but they didn't get a goal. So it kind of sucked the energy out in a way. It did in a way. I I think maybe more so because they were on the road. I think at home uh, here at the Fortress, we know what it's like. We know what the atmosphere (laughs) is like. And I think the fans, that helps. Even if you don't score, the fans are into it because – all right, they're, they're rolling, the team's going, and that gives them a little extra boost. 
speaking of which, get there early, stay late at the Fortress at Toshiba Plaza. Have some fun down there. There's going to be traffic because we're, we're packing the house with 18,000 plus. So make sure that you get there. Um, before we totally transition back, though, to this series with the Golden Knights in Montreal, another just kind of around the league thing that happened today was Golden Knights former head coach, Gerard Glant, uh, had his introductory press conference with his new gig, the New York Rangers. Um, and one of the big standout quotes from the presser was him saying, I want them to be the hardest working team in the league. I want them to work hard, compete hard. I want people to say they compete for 60 minutes and that's why they're winning hockey games every night. If we don't put in the work, the skill and the talent don't follow. How familiar sounding is that? Very familiar. Compete was a, a much used word from head coach Gerard Gallant and uh, every coach gives that to their team. He has a good job of bringing it out of his players, and uh, I think it's a real good scenario for him. Good to see him back in the NHL, well-deserved with what he was able to do Team Canada at the World Championship. I think that kind of got him fired back up uh, to get behind the bench. And uh, the Rangers, they have a lot of young talent on that team. And, you know, similar, I think even referenced in it to, to the team he took over in Florida that had, you know, Barkoff, Huberto, Ekblad, all these young players that were talented that you, you got to start to grow and develop and give them those opportunities to maybe there's going to be some growing pains but to grow through it and because they're so talented it's about instilling that compete and that work ethic in them and then the talent takes over so uh, it's a good good position for him to be in a good team for him to have how much does that experience with the Golden Knights and having to, you know, build that misfit brand of hard work does get you places? Like, how much does that example help him when he is dealing with a bunch of young players? Well, it's, it's two different things because when he came here, you know, they're not saying we're the most skilled team in the league. Right. They knew they had to win by hard work. And and that was – and the good thing about it, that, that established a culture and an identity with the Golden Knights early. And now that you, when you add talent to that – already based that foundation of compete of hard work that was instilled here in the organization then then you become a better team and and that's what they've been able to do and that's what uh, he'll he'll take the same type of message to the new york rangers hard work beats talent if talent isn't working as they say right well, we got a big game five coming up in just a little bit tonight. Puck drop at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And you can always tune in to Gary Lawless and Dan Duva right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. The Insider Show with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace starts at 4. That transitions at 5 to the pregame show. So Fox Sports Las Vegas has you covered on everything. And we'll have you covered wrapping things up here on Nighttime at Noon in just a couple minutes. We're back to nighttime at noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Dang, the welcome back music is just hitting different today. I like it. But remember, everybody, Bill and Carol Foley created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of their greatest passions, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding travel destinations. As a member of the society, you'll have access to an entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join some like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life. Join for free today by visiting foleyfoodandwinesociety.com. And I love wine, so I love that read. You do? Do I? Yes. <laughs> In a word. Never had. Uh, Stormy Bonin <laughs> never had. Okay. All right. 
Whatever. Yeah. Uh, welcome back here to Nighttime at Noon. Stormy Bonantoni and Shane Knighty with you wrapping things up on a game day. Series between the Golden Knights and Montreal Canadiens tied at two, but the VGK looking to get an edge at the Fortress tonight in an important game five. We're taking some of your social media questions here as we wrap things up, starting with Danny Warren, who asks uh, if there's a timeline on Stevenson returning, and he was at Morning yeah. Skate today. He was at Morning Skate, took part in the drills, and um, – by no means am I a doctor or uh, am I able to make the final decision, but uh, optically he looked good. He looked uh, like he's, uh, you know, possibly ready to go. Pete DeBoer said he'd be a game-time decision, but uh, everything that uh, I was able to witness, uh, skating, shooting, obviously there's no contact. That's the maybe part of it, but uh, he looked good. I don't know if smiles are an indicator. Yeah, he but, was smiling, yeah. laughing. It, it, <laughs> Uh, certainly looks like he uh, might be a possibility here for the Golden Knights. More lineup questions. Angie asks, does Ryan Reeves come back in the lineup on the fourth line? I feel like he's a guy who gets the crowd engaged at home. I'm not sure. Um, I, I I think they've got a lot of guys that get the crowd engaged. It's, it's more than just uh, the crowd engaged at home. I think it's what you do on the ice, and uh, that's the important thing. Uh, when I look at that fourth line in particular where – uh, you know, Reeves would be slotted. The, you know, very similar players when you, you can throw Brown there. You can throw, you know, if, if Stevenson comes back, that trickle-down effects allows Colasar who's played up and down to play on that wing with a little more offense to his game. Um, you know, Nosek will be there. Carey will be there. So you're talking about that one slot with Colasar, Reeves, and kind of Brown uh, have moved in. But to me, Colasar would be the guy that uh, kind of gives you a little more offensive there, still a big body, physical, and uh, – you know, as Kelly McCrimmon said, he's really been the most improved player this year, what he's been able to take leaps and bounds in his game here in his first season in the NHL. And I know if you're listening to this program, it's it's not your first time. You're an avid Golden Knights fan, so you know Pete DeBoer doesn't give away anything in terms no. of his lineup ahead of time. So uh, we're not sure about that. Same thing with uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. He's the first goalie off the ice today, so he's the projected starter. But we'll never get any confirmation no. on that ahead of time. Um, another one just about this matchup specifically. Thoughts on the Montreal coaching situation does not having Dom Ducharme catch up to the Canadians. I don't know if it catches up because the one thing uh, the world has taught us over the last 16, 17 months is the world is staying in contact over Zoom. I, I think he's in constant conversation. They said, you know, Zoom calls between periods, before games, after games. Uh, Luke Richardson is more than a more than capable to run a bench. Uh, former player has been talked about possible head coaching jobs for years. Um, he understands, and the players know. At this point now, these two teams are so f more familiar with each other. Say so, but more familiar with each other. Uh, and I think even Pete DeBoer talked about it this morning. They're at the point now in this series where you're starting, you're, you're making those adjustments because you've played each other four games now, and you're trying to find ways that are going to work against that opposition because you hadn't seen them all year. Took a little, you know, you're building up that familiarity with one another, and and what makes that other team tick, and maybe how you can expose them a little bit more. I know this isn't the case, but I just imagine a like laptop set up on a podium <laughs> giving like a rallying cry going into the overtime or the third period yeah. like come on guys we got this game but it's like the connection isn't there so do you watch modern out. family yeah do you ever see the one when uh phil the dad was away in seattle and he had the <laughs> robot ipad uh, I have his not face seen that. going around the house yeah 
that that's what it uh, reminds me of. <laughs> that sounds perfect. Uh, speaking of Gordon Weigers, who I mentioned earlier, uh, he has a good question for you. Yesterday was the four-year anniversary of the Golden Knights expansion draft. What are some of your best memories from that time? Uh, first home game. Uh, just the, the emotion involved with it. The energy went from emotion to energy. Just uh, so many things. That that is one I will never forget, and certainly you could I could earmark that whole season right to, to the final. Uh, you know, good and bad moments. Uh, this team's gone through adversity. What happened uh, in year two, which we try to forget in the playoffs, but that's part of it uh, of building it. The ups and downs uh, throughout the throughout the course of an organization is is, is part of uh, building building up. Uh, you know, last year, obviously the COVID, that last game they played before the shutdown. There's and then there's been a lot of memorable games. There's so many moments uh, in what has been an incredible first four seasons here for this team. It really has, and we've started to see the. I think more than anything, uh, now that they're in a, playing in a Canadian market, uh, there's a lot. I'll call it jealousy <laughs> of people saying, "Oh, I don't deserve this," and then, "Oh, that not just." People I, hate, like, I feel like at one point it was so cool. Like, I year one, I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, and yeah. it was so cool for me as a Vegas native to see all the Golden Knights hats on people, like, out of, in such a far away East Coast town, all of this stuff that people that needed a second yeah. team rallied around the Golden Knights and took them on. And now all of a sudden that they've continued to play at that level and been good, it feels like that jealousy, as you said, that like the other fans are not it's, it's happy about it. It's the new kid it. on the block that's popular and, you know, is good at everything and well-liked. and The bus rides oh. leaving Bell Center. Uh, after a game and the amount of people that stay an hour later just in that area by where the buses leave just to boo Did the they ever team. shake your bus? No, so not that, this. Well, well, you, d- you didn't play for the Boston Bruins no. <laughs> there in playoffs. Had our bus fans shaking our bus. Stop. Yeah, it's uh, So I don't have a lot of love for the Montreal Canadiens being a former Bruin. Um, but, yeah, the, you know what? I think it's great. I think it's a compliment that people do that. If you're a Golden Knights fan, take it as a compliment. They're jealous. They're jealous of the success. And if you want to go back, Adam, just say, well, Canadian, you're cheering for the Montreal Canadiens. Everybody's like, oh, well, that's, you know, I'm Canadian. That's just, yeah. we have more rostered players Canadian on the Golden Knights than anyone. We have more French Canadian <laughs> players than the Montreal Canadiens. Um, so, yeah, who, there, there's that you can you can slap back with that argument. One thing that I've noticed as being really interesting in Bell Center right now is that because there are so few fans, you can hear the specific individual <laughs> chirps from fans down on the ice. Like I'll be sitting in the front row against the boards, and you can hear like word for word what a fan is trying to scream at somebody. It's it's uh it's definitely an interesting dynamic there. Uh, we are wrapping things up here on Nighttime at Noon. Stormy Bonantoni and Shane Knighty with you. Want to get your just final keys to the game tonight. The VGK need a victory in game five to take the series lead once again. What needs to happen? I think the gas pedal needs to be right to the floor, right off puck drop, and they don't need, they can't let up. I think this is a game where you look at what they've been able to do, possibly wearing down the Canadians previously in the series. They're at home, their energy should be higher, and I think it's a chance to really kind of. And try and, and take that will and, and impose it on the Canadians here tonight. Uh, Forecheck's going to be important, I think, offensively. They've got to get to the inside a little bit more. I think they've got to play in straight lines. They've got to create speed through that neutral zone. Don't get trapped up. Don't try to force plays 
um, and really take it to the Canadians. They, they, they know what they need to do. We've seen the Golden Knights when they play their best and what the game plan is. Now it's a matter of going out and doing it. The, you know, the talk gets a little bit less at this time, and now it's all about what you're going to do out in the ice. You referenced about nine guys earlier when we were talking about where you're looking for more contributions. Is there anybody specifically you really need to see get on track tonight? I don't know about on track, but I'm going to go with the same guy I think I said last time on the show because he was a bit of a difference maker, and that's Alex Tuck. Uh, I think he's ready to break free. He's had certainly had his opportunities, chances, his speed, his size. He's a guy that can be a difference maker. Love it. Love that pick. We'll see what Alex Tuck can do tonight as the Golden Knights get set for Game 5 against the Montreal Canadiens. Puck drop is at 6 p.m. Pacific time. But as always, you can tune in to Fox Sports Las Vegas, listen to Dan Duva and Gary Lawless during the game. Always great insight there. Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace will be back here at 4 p.m. for the Insider Show, 5 p.m. getting the pregame show started. And uh, it'll be an exciting one for sure. Fortress will be rocking. 18,000 plus at the Fortress. So make sure that you are either there or watching. If you are there, get there early and stay late. Uh, thanks so much to Garrett Calloway and George Lopez for handling the control board for us. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. He's Shane Knighty. Have a fun night tonight as the VGK get going for Game 5.